Garoppolo getting his first action here in the entertainment capital of the world. The world. Touchdown, Las Vegas. It's the T.C. Martin Show. Airs it out down the middle for Adams. Got it. Inside the 10. Devontae. Touchdown. What a play on fourth down. It's time to get your daily prescription. Prescription. From the doctor. Magnificent or Manic Monday. You could uh, take your pick, depending on which side you're on and the games yesterday. We will recap it all for you right here on this Monday edition of the T.C. Martin Show. Yes, we also got plenty of baseball to talk about today as well, too. World Series Game 3 tonight. The Rangers taking on the D-backs. Yes, this series is tied at one game apiece. The unpredictability of this series. Will it continue tonight? I imagine so. Speaking of which, strong guest list today. Two of my guests already in studio today. Already here chomping at the bit to talk about the NFL weekend. Marco D'Angelo, my bookend mate on Mondays and Fridays. See when in the house, still sporting the exact same jersey that I saw him with 24 hours ago. I didn't see him 48 hours ago. Maybe good bet he had the same jersey on then, but the Hawaiian blue... Lions jersey, and we are all rooting for the Lions tonight. I have not met a person who is rooting for the Raiders tonight, at least from a betting perspective, so we'll get into that. And as far as baseball goes, my man, Dave Smoke Stewart, will join us here at the bottom of this hour. Smoke is going to be at the game tonight as well, too, in Arizona. He actually has ties to both teams. A long-storied career, one of the best pitchers Major League Baseball has ever seen, especially postseason. Dave Stewart, winner of three World Series rings with three different teams, including an MVP award in 1989 with the Oakland A's when they won it all. So uh, Smoke will join us a little bit later on uh, in this hour. And then next hour, Chuck Esposito joins us over at Red Rock from a sportsbook perspective, and we talk to Chuck about how everything shook out on the, the weekend, the college side on Saturday and the NFL side on Sunday. But there we go. We've got all that happening for you today. Glad to have you with us here. Of course, streaming live, tcmartinshow.com. Chuck on the other side of the glass. Good to see you, Chuck. So I invited a plethora of people to come yesterday to watch the games at the world-famous Superbook Westgate, non-smoking. Uh, the food was flowing. The drinks were flowing. Some of us had more drinks than others. All right. There we go. See win. Attaboy, see win. See win with both, both hands both up. Both hands up, not just one. Yeah. yeah. But uh, uh, great for you guys to be able to come by yesterday. Uh, we were waiting for Numchuck and waiting and waiting. See win. What? Remember the line that I put up that Numchuck would not show? The line was solidly in the, uh, I want to go around minus 750 <laughs> that you were not going to show up, Chuck, and it ended up uh, panning out in that direction, right, TC? It did, but, yeah. But uh, definitely appreciate the invite for you, Mr. Of course, inviting us, uh, a lot of our co-hosts that, and some sub-hosts that fill in on the show uh, for you. And uh, as uh, Marco, I'm sure, can attest, uh, pretty solid atmosphere over there, right, on Sundays. Oh, it's great, outstanding. Uh, you got kind of like a VIP booth set up, right? Like you're in, like you're in the suite at the arena or in the stadium, mm-hmm. as far as that goes. Get a chance to watch all the NFL action that was going down. And, of course, uh, we're going to get into a lot of the details of that. But uh, 
Marco, I got to point out, right? When T.C. Martin, the doctor, is out in public, like like honey to 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 bears, there are some interesting characters that end up showing up in the circumference or in the area of where T.C. Martin is floating around. It happens all the time at the yeah. Westgate, but you know, yesterday, you know, more so than not, and you know, I guess you know when you're in the VIP section with the doctor. And you you're know. right on the edge of it too, right? Yeah, you're yeah right on we the were, yeah, we were it. like in the, we were in actually the in the middle there, but yeah. we were right at an opening of, you know, of an alleyway and coming up, we kept getting a question too. Hey, do you mind me asking? <laughs> How much does this cost? Cause I think, I think, you know, the sugar mom, you know, there were sugar mamas looking for sugar daddies. Yes. And I think they were sizing up just to see how big of, you know, sugar daddy was. Exactly. No doubt about it. And it wasn't just the ladies though, right? We had, we had oh, he had a couple guys that just kind of rolled up too. too. Maybe, well, I, maybe they yeah. recognized, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the local celeb that is the Dr. TC Martin. Yeah. I don't know. Listen to you guys. Listen to you guys. Yeah. I, I do attract, uh, all kinds. I'll just say that. I like the fly paper, you know, I, you know, some, some stick, some don't. I don't know, but yeah, I, you, who's a ham and egger wearing the Cal jersey with the Niners? Like he was a VIP Niner thing, and he just decided to come sit down, brought his grocery bags and everything there. I, I wanted to tell him it wasn't a bus stop there, you know. And then he was looking over at the food and everything, too. I don't know. I thought he might have wanted a date with Marco. That's what I thought at first. What? <laughs> Possibility. No question. <laughs> no. A uh, good time. Yeah. So our good friend, Jose Volante, and like I said, uh, I wanted to invite the guys. You guys spent a lot of time filling in for me during the yeah. case of the ace season. Greatly appreciate that. And uh, so Jose shows up yesterday, and he brings like – is like uh, his tablet and he's got his phone. He's got some notes and everything. Well, this isn't a working remote, you know. I mean, you know, what are you doing <laughs> yeah. here? No, I got action galore today, baby. Okay, knock yourself out. And then he starts like, you know, like we're watching fantasy football or something. He's yelling and screaming at the screens when a player scores a touchdown, this and that. I'm trying to figure out, well, who do you got? He goes, oh, man, I got this running back parlay today. I got a so-and-so's got to score a touchdown, this and that, this and that. I'm going, okay, that's cool. And so he's going crazy, and as you guys can attest to, we're watching the Philly-Washington game, and he is on. He just needs one more running back to get in the end zone to take home. I think it was a three or a four team running back parlay plus sixteen hundred plus right? sixteen hundred. Right? right, and all they need was DeAndre Swift yep. of the Eagles to get in the end zone. If you guys watch that game, I mean, it was a great Philly comeback. And then, uh, they're, you know, basically getting ready to put the nail in the coffin and look like they may go Neil Diamond with, with, with Jalen Hurts, but instead Jalen fakes the Neil Diamond and then they pitch it to Swifty. He goes around the left side. Next thing you know, our boy Jose is, is up on his seat. Get in there. Get in there. Get in there. Next thing you know, see when this guy's doing the 100 meter dash. Yeah. I, I, I thought he was, you know, was uh, this a combine? Bolt. The yeah. NFL combine? Something. It was Volante. Marco, Marco, I don't think it was there yet. I wasn't there. So you didn't oh, get to see right. the spectacle. Yeah. It was Volante doing a absolute running a four five plus forty uh, through the sports book after DeAndre Swift, as TC points out, scores the touchdown, and yeah. uh, that was that was pretty hilarious. So that was. that was one of the one of the uh, aspects that was a lot of fun about that uh, about that excursion on a Sunday fun day. TC plus sixteen hundred too. Yeah. 
I mean, think and, about that. And bottom line on that, you know that if it was me betting that, yeah. they would have put in like the like Marco. They would have put in the fourth string running back, and they would have had all kinds of other scenarios. <laughs> the mush would be in the fact. Yeah, there's no way DeAndre Swift would have scored that touchdown if it was somebody else. But but Jose, he nailed it. He got it. That literally was the next to last play I saw at the previous place that I was at, yeah. and I said. When I saw the play, I said to the people I was with, I go, wow. I said, it's a shame that these two have already played twice this year. Because yeah. I said, they're going to circle that one. Running that play <laughs> yeah. at the end, that late in the game, when the game, you know, I mean, it was only a one-score game. But still, doing that kind of trick play, faking, like you said, mm-hmm. thought he was going to, you know, just take the kneel there and uh, pitch it out. Teams remember that kind of stuff. Yeah. At least I do. And, and it gave and, and Washington an opportunity to come back with about a, a minute, minute and a half to yeah. go, where they got a backdoor touchdown, and that may have, have put, caused a push uh, for some people. Definitely helped on, on a teaser for people yeah. as well, too. And the final score was 38-31 in favor of the Eagles, so a seven-point difference. And you know what I was thinking? Because that number was hovering around six and a half to, and right. seven to, to, you know, in favor of the Eagles, depending on when you got it. And I'm thinking, because we've seen teams do this before, Oh, they're going to go for two, it, which doesn't make sense. But we've seen it. We saw it last week with a couple teams, coaches, you know, get it from eight to six. Like, why are you doing this? Oh, because the next touchdown we get, then we win. We just kick, kick the you extra saw it point. Thursday night. Thursday night was a game. There, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. The there you go. I hate yeah, to bring yeah, up the yeah, Buffalo thank you. game again. <laughs> again. But Marco, to TC's point, right? Yeah, that I got that number at seven. I got yeah. it about a half an hour before kickoff. Late, it was seven across the and board. And so those of us that did have a, you know, yeah. a dog in the fight when it came to that weren't too happy that uh, that Washington was able to get that touchdown there mm-hmm. late to uh, basically make it a push. All right. Yesterday in the NFL, yesterday was backup Sunday. <laughs> it was insane. I can't recall a Sunday like this before where the backup quarterbacks uh, took center stage here. Now, nine backup quarterbacks appeared in games yesterday. Uh, we'll go right down the list. Now, some of these actually started the game because, you know, the backups, but then some came into uh, the game uh, because of injury. Uh, Mitch Trubisky was one of those who came in for Kenny Pickett, got uh, injured, uh, rib injury at the end of the first half. And so, uh, here comes the Mitchell Trubisky side and really didn't help the Steelers and, and they lost in one of the snooze fest games yesterday to, to, to Jacksonville. Uh, Jared Hall, uh, raise your hand if we ever heard of Jared Hall before yesterday. Our good friend Jay Schrader was in the house yesterday, yeah. uh, hanging with us, uh, as well too yesterday. And Ironically, we, a quarterback, right? Our <laughs> quarterback guy. And we were talking about this, uh, yeah. as, uh, you know, he was uh, joining us yesterday as well too. Uh, Brett Ripien, uh, came in for the Rams yesterday. Will Levis, who started for Tennessee, but the backup to Ryan, Ryan Tannehill. Yeah. And Levis actually had a pretty good game, yeah. uh, leading the Titans uh, to the victory. Uh, then there's Zach Wilson. Even though Zach Wilson, uh, has started every game, you know, from game, from week two, cause Aaron Rodgers injury in week one, uh, but still he was there. And, um, Josh Dobbs for Arizona, um, Taysom Hill came in the game. Uh, so he played a few snaps or whatever for the Saints. And then here's the, the good one here. Tyrod Taylor is in for the, the, the Giants yesterday. Okay. He, he comes in. And, um, uh, gets quarterback the Giants, but Tyrod Taylor gets injured and we get ourselves probably the, the, the craziest moment of the weekend. Who comes in the game? None other than 
Tommy DeVito for the New York Giants. Now we're all looking at each other. Who? Who in the hell is Tommy DeVito? And then we played like name that school game. I think I I, I offered you guys. I said yeah. I, the drinks will not stop coming if you can tell me what school that this ham and egger went to. Right? I he, threw out Appalachian State, Marco. Yeah, yeah. There I, were a yeah. couple other obscure colleges that were thrown out. And as then well. and then I said, okay, I got to go clue time, and I got to give you. I got to give you the, the conference. He's a Big Ten quarterback. And, and I'm a Big Ten guy, right, DC? Of course, yeah. And I named, Marco, I named like two, and Marco and, and, and I'm Chuck, I named like three other schools in the Big Ten right. before Jay Schrader finally nailed the school that he went to. <laughs> but it was like a question mark. Uh, Illinois? Uh, that's right. That's a, that's a winner, yeah. So Tommy DeVito. Tommy DeVito comes in to quarterback the New York Giants yesterday, and it did not matter. But I know Tommy DeVito. You know Tommy DeVito. You everybody knows Tommy DeVito. If you think about it, this is Tommy DeVito. <laughs> You're a big This is really funny. Really funny. Uh, what do you mean, I'm funny? <laughs> it's, it's funny, you know. It's a good story. It's funny. You're a funny guy. <laughs> what do you mean? You mean the way I talk? What? It's just you know. You it's you're just funny. It's. <laughs> You know, the way you tell the story and everything. Funny how? I mean, what's funny about it? Tommy, no, you got it all wrong. Oh, oh, Anthony. He's a big boy. He knows what he said. What'd you say? Funny how? What? Just, you know, you're you're funny. (laughs) You mean, let me understand this, because I don't know, maybe it's me, I'm a little up, maybe. But I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown, I amuse you. I make you laugh. I'm here to fucking amuse you. What do you mean funny? Funny how? How am I funny? I'm not just... You know how you tell the story? What? No, no, I don't know. You said it. How do I know? You said I'm funny. How the f*** am I funny? What the f*** is so funny about me? Tell me. Tell me what's funny. Get the f*** out of here, Tommy. <laughs> Okay. I almost had him. I almost had him. You got a stuttering prick yet? Frankie, was he shaking? I wonder about you sometimes, Henry. You may fold under questioning. That's Tommy DeVito. It is. Good fellas. And Joe how Pesci. apropos was it that it was a New York team, right, guys? Yeah. Like it wasn't, it wasn't a team like the Cardinals yeah. or Seattle. Yeah. It was right straight, right straight from the uh, tri-state area, baby. Now, Marco D'Angelo is Italian, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and and I, when we're playing that clip, I, you know, I know he watches, you know, uh, you know, whatever, you know, something about Raymond or whatever. I don't yeah. know if he's watching a movie. Guy. Are you a Goodfellas guy? Oh, absolutely. Okay, Love that. okay. All right. So make sure you, you know who Tommy DeVito was. We know. You know, and how, and how, TC, how about that stat line for him at the end? Oh, of let's, let's, let's talk about this. Okay. How funny is he? I'll tell you how funny Tommy DeVito is. Two for seven yesterday with negative one. That's like minus one passing yards. Minus one passing yards. Oh, yeah. Guy had a touchdown rushing the football, four carries on 12 yards, but passing. Remember at the end of regulation? He had zero. Yeah. He had the big Z. It's a minus one. Guys, that was one ugly football game. I mean, this set football back a hundred years. It was Giants. It was Jets. It was Meadowlands. Two ham and egg teams. Horrendous. It's 50 degrees and in a drizzle, in a mist. It's miserable. Who wants to be in that mess? Oh, and by the way, you got to go overtime. 13-10. Jets win. 
horrendous football game. I was giving Marco a bad time about his Steelers and just dreadful. It'd be the Jaguars beating the Steelers. Ugly football. But that thing yesterday at the Meadowlands, who wants who wants that ticket stub? I missed the best part of that game because that's when I was traveling from. There was the no best part. There was the last minute of that game had, was intense. <laughs> Didn't the Giants miss a field goal that yeah. could have you know iced the game basically? And somehow the Jets go down the field, throw a pass. I mean, I got to see the replay, yeah. throw a pass. How in the world they ever got up to the line of scrimmage to, you know, uh, do the spike right. with second left and be able to kick the game tying yeah. field goal. And correct me if I'm wrong. Did they not place the football themselves? The referee did not get up there. He did. He did. But it, it was like, it was taking him forever. And then it was like, boom. And he's like, threw it down real quick. Yeah. I was amazed they got the the, the clock that. But to TC pointed it out, Marco, uh, when when Devito scored that touchdown, a rushing <laughs> touchdown, a lot of us were talking about what the storyline was going to be after this game, <laughs> uh, just kind of kind of thinking that the Giants were going to win, right? That was kind of the assumption, I guess, right. the way I put it, that we talked about. And of course, that's not what transpired as the Jets end up coming back and getting the win. Unbelievable! Uh, look at these stats, guys. The Jets. Two for 15 on third down conversions. The Giants, two for 19. Two for 15 and two for 19. This is a, what a great football game this was. The Jets had 58 yards running the football. The New York Giants, we talk about Tommy DeVito, right? Minus one for, for passing. Well, that's better than what the Giants had passing the football. I can't remember. I've seen an NFL football game where the team had minus nine in pass. How do you get minus nine? That means you keep going backwards and backwards and backwards. Insight minus nine in passing. There was a combination combo here, guys. 24 punts in the game. 24 punts. That was ugly. You just couldn't keep track of the number. Mark Marco, you couldn't keep track of the number of screen passes in the backfield, right? Where they get tackled for a two or three yard loss. That it seemed like the whole game. That's what was transpiring. That, by the way, that's how you get negative pass yardage, right? Is, and that's how it happens because he actually had. You can't make this stuff up, PC, right? <laughs> he had positive yardage in this in the overtime yes. because we were making note of it. You, myself, and Chase Schrader were like, "Oh my gosh, he's going to get in the in the in the black when it comes to yardage," <laughs> and then he ends up with negative one yards in the game. I mean, it was yeah. There was a lot of things that were kind of remarkable Man. about the outcome of that Jets Giants matchup. Man, it was insane. People are screaming in Pittsburgh about the OC Matt Canada. I mean, that makes him look like, you know like a genius, yeah. right? Compared to the place called there. My big pet peeve yesterday. You guys were giving me you know some flack when I came in. Yes, I come in donning my Steeler jersey, but on your show Friday and my bets. I gave out Jacksonville. So it was one of those. And you're like, why are you wearing your Steeler jersey if you gave out Jacksonville and you bet Jacksonville? I was going to be happy either way. But that wasn't the problem that caused me grief yesterday. The Texans and Tennessee game in the throwback unis. Yeah. Okay. I have the other play that I have. Yes. I had a play on Tennessee. So I'm rooting for Tennessee. But then when I'm looking at, the screen, it's the old Oilers uniforms. So your mind's going back to Houston. In the other screen where I was at, I've got a bet on Carolina. 
who is playing Houston? I'm, uh, I'm rooting for Houston uniforms on one screen, yeah, right? And I'm rooting against Houston uniform in the other. I didn't know where I was at and what I was doing. No, to your point, I'm watching, you know, all the games on the screens and they had that one on, on a smaller screen because it wasn't a high profile game no. and I had no action on that game. Yeah. So I'm focused on the games that I got action on and. I, I didn't even know him probably until you brought it up midway through the first quarter. Oh man, look at you know the 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 old Oilers uniforms. Yeah. Well, I'm looking at that and I and I said, oh, oh, that is so cool. I love that. Well, I'm thinking that's Houston. <laughs> but you're right. It's the Titans that are wearing the uniform, right? And understandably, I think there are a lot of people who are thinking that. Well, Houston, Houston Oilers, mm-hmm. Houston Texans, right? No, they're playing the Tennessee Titans who. Again, relocated from Houston, and that's the team. So I can guarantee you there were all kinds of people that were confused with that. And we're going to have a story tomorrow on Terrible Tuesday. I'll say it for tomorrow regarding the whole uniform thing with that. And there's a lot of controversy going on in Houston about the not only the Titans wearing those uniforms, but other teams wearing that uniform as well in that state, and we'll get to that tomorrow. But anyway, yeah, it was, it was just kind of a weird day altogether with that stuff. And the throwback thing, a quick note on that too, right? Other teams also engaged in that. You saw the Miami Dolphins in their throwback uniforms. Oh, it was it. super cool to see the yeah. uh, Seahawks too, right? Yes. And their go back to the 1980s with the Kurt Warner, Steve Largent, Jim Zorn days mm-hmm. with their uniforms too. So uh, me sporting my uh, Detroit Lions jersey here. This is one of the newer ones, though. Uh, I think Detroit's going to have some type of uh, uh, a different kind of alternative throwback jersey tonight as they take on the Raiders. But I don't think in, it's a throwback, City. is it? Because no, they not really. be, because they have a new helmet the tonight. Logo, so the logo right? is a throwback to their one of their logos back in the sixties. Okay, uh, with the Detroit with the lion with the, with the stripes. With the Honolulu blue and the silver stripes. Okay. So it's not a, a traditional throwback, but it will have a look of a throwback. But uh, just to kind of go along. I'm, but they're going blue helmets tonight, right? Instead of the silver, correct? Yeah, they're going blue. And I, I think they're like going that. blue. We're in I trouble, Marco. Uniform. We're in trouble. Yeah. We're, when we have teams do that, yeah. I mean, I'm looking at, are they wearing, this is the uniform tonight. The the yeah. the, the gray uniform. Exactly. Oh, I'm not liking this. Yeah, so. Mark, we got to hedge off. <laughs> we got to hedge off. <laughs> I, you know, I don't like these things. That's it. Wait, that's gonna that's gonna impact your oh, absolutely. take as far as the outcome of the game. I already bet the team though. Now, yeah, I think it is. It is. <laughs> you know how we have the sea wind jinx with certain things. Yeah, oh, this, absolutely. I, I I do not have good luck when they like some of the bears come out with their that orange oh. and all that and all that nonsense. Mm-hmm. Or are we getting the color rush stuff? I mean, look at this. This looks nothing like a a Detroit Lions helmet. And again, they're getting a little full of themselves. And you yeah. know, I I don't feel good about this game at all. Well, they're coming off that loss, of course, to the Ravens last week. So it's a bounce back game, bounce back game for both these teams, right? Um, and to, to kind of bounce back to what we were talking about as far as uh, Marco brought up his point, my takeaway from yesterday mm-hmm. games, of course, was yeah. that Minnesota Green Bay game. Of course, TCU and I had action on that game on other sides, but, uh, that's going to be hugely impactful. I think going down the rest of the season in the NFC North, seeing what transpired in that game between the Packers. And the Vikings, of course, uh, referring to the injury to, to Kirk Cousins, but, yeah. uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, this is not some slam dunk that Detroit is going to be able to just handle the Raiders tonight in Monday Night Football. If you're a Lions fan, and this is my only concern tonight with the Lions, this is a game that I felt they had circled on their calendar because you know, being a, a Lions fan, you don't get many Monday night football games. Okay. You're, you're never getting that. And that was one of the reasons why I had Baltimore the week before, because I just thought it was a bad spot mm-hmm. for Detroit looking ahead to this game. But with what happened yesterday, 
with Minnesota in losing Kirk Cousins for the season. Mm-hmm. If you're the Lions, you almost you just won the division. Uh, and that concerns me a little bit mm-hmm. that this team, if this was not Monday night football, if it was a Sunday game, I would not be on him because I think they might get a little complacent thinking, you know what, man, we just, we're in the playoffs. Yeah. Forget about it, man. We're, we're coasting in because who is the threat? We saw Chicago. That was one week, you know, with, with the flash in the pan, you know, quarterback. I don't want to call him a flash in the pan, but we've seen guys that first game where nobody expects anything because you don't know what nobody saw him. We no played, game planning. Yeah. Yeah. We again. played guess what college that, that was right. last week. Yeah. And, okay. that, and that's why the play, the play of the week was the Chargers last okay. night because they got a, yeah. they got a week to look at this guy and, and he was terrible. So I don't know. It, you know, tonight, you know, again, the Raiders in Garoppolo is going to get the start. Uh, we're hearing good things out of Raiders camp that, okay, that the, a loss to the Bears woke them up, and they had a great week of practice. And Garoppolo even himself said, "No, I think it brought the guys back together." And with with the Lions, we've seen the Lions. We know they're a better team. We saw them beat Kansas City uh, on opening night, but that is the only team that they have beaten with a winning record. And it was the Chiefs, and it was opening night. We still don't know how good the Lions are. And to Marco's point, you know, to see them, you know, a seven and a half, seven point favorite. It, it, it's a little scary. That is uncharted territory. Not only the Monday night appearance tonight, but I just there's something that tells me they look the better team, and everybody is on the Lions tonight. But man, I just I I still have reservations with the Lions. I will say this: and Jared Goff. both of you guys make extremely valid points and make a ton of sense. I will say this though: the one time that the Lions have lost this season, of course, it was that that tight loss to uh, excuse me, the two times they've lost. Yeah. Uh, they lost last week, obviously, to Baltimore. The first loss was to Seattle in overtime fashion, right? They bounced right back the week after that game, and so that's where I lend uh, that I, I have some solace there. That uh, we have some experience of what uh, Dan Campbell and this team will do as far as Detroit, as, as far as bouncing back after a loss like that. You know, use whatever analogy you want to use. Circle the wagons, right? Uh, kind of, uh, kind of want, want to get back on track. I guess is what I'm saying. And so that's the the approach I'll take. Being the it's not even devil's advocate. I'm sitting here with a Lions jersey on here in the studio, but uh, to to have my view of what I think Detroit's right. going to do tonight. And St. Brown injured. He's got a, he's he's got an illness going, so he he's not 100 percent sure if he is going to play or not. And that's a big key to the puzzle. And just to go back, and we'll talk next hour about yeah. the upsets yesterday. Patrick Mahomes uh, was was down with the flu, and he played anyway, and he was miserable. You could just see didn't have anything on his on his passes. And he, the flu is no joke, especially if you got a severe flu symptoms and in this physical contact sport of football but i need st brown to be good tonight in order to really feel good about the lions and a quick note on that by the way uh it's been breaking across the web as far as and some credible people uh amon st brown is going to play he's uh he's going to play Uh, apparently it is something similar to what happened with pat mahomes yesterday in that it's an illness that uh, he's going to apparently play through. So we'll see exactly how good he is but Mm -hmm. the lions need him to be uh you know at least 80 percent you got it the other takeaway for me yesterday, and we talked about it, is these teams that had great defenses that were supposed to be studs, they're giving up a ton of what We saw the 49ers get torched by Joe Burrow. Cleveland, down 14 nothing as soon as that game started. You know, and those were your two of your top five defenses coming into the week. And what's happening to them in Philadelphia is the last one. They got the win yesterday. They gave up 31 points in that game. Hmm. They're a team that I think's got some holes. 
right. and we're starting to see the Super Bowl loser jinx a little bit uh, with them covering big spreads. All right, more NFL coming up a little bit later on. We come back. We're going to talk to Dave Stewart and talk a little World Series action. See, win appreciate you being here uh, today, my man. Always want to love to jump in here on the TC Martin Show. And uh, hey, go Lions, my friend. Go. Uh, Monday Night Football, as Marco correctly pointed out, we don't get a chance <laughs> a lot to be on national TV. Yeah, there's Thanksgiving, folks, but Monday Night Football, it's a rarity. So. uh those of us from the Motor City and from uh, those of us native Michiganders are fired up for tonight. Over, under on Captain and Cokes tonight for you? Let's put it at six and a half. Oh! Hopefully, Sea Win and the Lions <laughs> both cover that tonight. Now, more of your favorite personal sports physician. Don't make me beg. T.C. Martin. Of course, you are a character. Doesn't mean that you have character. The doctor is now in. Continue talking more and more football next hour. A wild NFL Sunday. We'll continue on with that. But we got World Series to talk about because we're smack dab in the middle of this thing. Game number three tonight. We got a change of venue as now we go to Chase Field there in Arizona as the Diamondbacks get to play host role for games three, four, and five, taking on the Rangers tonight. This series tied at one game apiece. And no better person to talk to than World Series and postseason baseball. Then the king of the hill back in the day in the postseason. We're talking about one of the greatest pitchers, three-time World Series champion, three different teams, and the World Series MVP going back to 1989 with those Oakland <laughs> Athletics. My man, Dave Stewart. What's up, Smoke? How you doing, man? I'm good, man. What's, what do you know? I, I know you're basking there in Arizona, man. Ready for some action tonight, yeah. huh? Yeah, man. Actually, I just got back. I'd been in Nashville pretty much most of the month. And actually, you know, both, I'm sure you're just as disappointed as I am. And I mm. thought I'd be seeing some games in Houston, but um, it, it turned out the way it did. But, you know, shoot, these Diamondbacks, I'm, I'm, I'm planning on going out to watch a game tomorrow night. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I was so disappointed, man. I canceled my uh, uh, flight and, and hotel. What, when was it? Uh, the, the night after... Uh, they lost Game Seven uh, to the Rangers. Um, yeah, looking forward to being out there with you, man. But uh, okay, just watching from afar in in a World Series that I was really questioning. You know how much I was really in interested in this thing. You know, with these two teams here. But uh, I figure we're gonna have our good our World Series. Uh, the first two games uh, have have lived up to it. And what I've seen smoke in the first two games is that really Arizona's kind of dominated the series, even though it's 1-1 and Texas came from behind and got the walk-off winning game one. But Arizona was leading the majority of that game. And then they put the spanking on Texas in game two, winning 9-1. to Give me your thoughts after the first two games. Well, you're right. Um, in the first game, if not for you know the home run in the ninth inning, um, tech, uh, Arizona would have won that game and they'd be up two games, uh, to none. Um, but I'm, I'm really surprised by that. Um, I really thought that the winner of the World Series would come from the Texas Houston series. But I can also say this, um, that Arizona team, man, they, they've proven a lot of people wrong. And I was one of the people that, were behind them uh, in the in the National League championship round. I, I had picked them all the way through, 
Um, but I thought that uh, that uh, if Texas played the game the way that they're capable of playing, that they would get they would beat them in the World Series. But you know, it's just continued to happen for these kids, and uh, literally, they're kids. I mean, they're out there. They're playing a different brand of baseball than baseball has been used to seeing over the last five plus years. You know, they're running the bases, stealing bases. They're a very good defensive team. They're getting um, outstanding pitching performances from their starting rotation. Your bullpen has been good, but I, I think the difference is th- this team has played real baseball. They've hit and run. They've stolen bases. They've run bunning runners over, coming up with clutch hits, not trying to hit the ball out the ballpark. Not that they can't do it, but, you know, if you've been in the Arizona ballpark, it's a very, very spacious park. And this team is built to play in that park. And if, if you play in that park, you've got to hit the ball in the gaps um, to be successful. And that's what they're doing against Texas. You got it. Dave Stewart has ties to both of these teams. You pitched with Texas for three seasons back in the uh, the early mid-80s. And then you were also a general manager with the Diamondbacks from 2014 to 2016. i got to know, man, come on, who are you rooting for here? Well, you know, it's really, really tough. It really is. I'm I'm a big fan, more importantly. If I based everything on the days that I played in Texas, then I wouldn't be rooting for Texas right. at all. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm glad you said that, not me. Because like, those were some trying agree. times for you, man. I mean, when you got there, I mean, it's just, look at Smoke go. He's doing his thing. And then the next couple of seasons, I'm going, okay, I don't want to ever talk to him about that. But, uh, but it's okay, man. <laughs> but, you know, Bruce Bochy and I, we've got a long history together. We we were represented by the same agent, knew each other in our younger days. And then I had a, had an opportunity to work with him as his pitching coach with the, uh, with the San Diego Padres in the 98 season. So I know Boach really, really well and, and, you know, love him as a human being. And once again, you're looking at a future Hall of Fame manager. Um, and so Boach... Um, be, just for sentimental reasons, um, is a guy that I, I hope has this opportunity to win. Um, but at the same time, um, I've grown a, a, a relationship with Mike Hazen from a distance. Allard Barrett is, is over with, uh, with the Arizona Diamondbacks as well. Jason McLeod, those are all guys that I've known for a number of years as well. And so I'm kind of torn, you know, um, you know, I've, spoke about Bruce Bochy, but, you know, uh, Dayton Moore is also with the Texas Rangers, which I have a tremendous relationship with him. So, you know, if if the game is about relationships, I would say, man, I just hope that, you know, it's a good World Series and the guys, you know, battle and go to a game seven. But, you know, if I just have to go for personal relationships, then I got to go for the Rangers and and, uh, Bruce Bochy. Yeah. So, Let's go back. You know, again, you were with the Diamondbacks as a GM, and you know all about constructing a team. And we've seen where this team was very, very good. You know, going back in the early two thousands, and then recently they've had their their tough times. Talk a little bit about this particular team. And I know that you know we're going back, you know, six, seven seasons since you last left there. So I'm not sure if there's any of those those guys who were prospects when you were there that are on this team now, but kind of talk a little bit about that and, you know, how the Diamondbacks have gone to build this team that just lost over a hundred games two seasons ago. Well, I mean, 
there's one player that was in my draft, um, that's Ginkle. Um, and he was in, was in my draft. Uh, our medical reports on him weren't very good. And we were suggested not to take him. Uh, uh, my scouting director, um, Derek Ladner wanted the kid. Um, Bump Mayweather was the scout who watched this kid and wanted him. And so we took him. And so he's proven to be a, a, a big part of, of their, their, their relief staff getting to that closer. But, you know, this game is, is funny. There are players that, we're in the organization that were used for trades to help build that organization. Um, but the truth is that Mike Hazen has, and his scouting staff, um, they've done a great job. Uh, they put players in that system. Um, they've had top 100 players in that system. Um, and, and he redid that organization. You know, if, if I take credit for anything, I, I would take credit for the 17 season. Um, and where Kevin Towers and I, along with Mike Hazen, helped build that team to get to the playoffs. But as you said, I've been far removed uh, since 17. Um, and this team is Mike Hazen's team. They've done a tremendous job of scouting, developing players, um, making the right moves, especially at this trade deadline this year. He made some great moves. I mean, who would have thought that Seawall would be the difference in in this team, you know, coming here. But when you look at uh, Cattell Marte, which he was a trade um, uh, some years ago, um, I had uh, uh, loved that player um, and wanted him in a trade before they got him. But um, medically, he wasn't ready to, to go in that trade. But Cattell Marte, you know, when you look at, um, at Guriel, um, he's been a great acquisition for them. And Moreno in that same trade was a great acquisition for them. And so when you look at the trades, you look at the, the system, which includes uh, their starting pitching and the guys that are in their rotation right now. These are all guys that came came by a, uh, by a draft. Um, they've done a tremendous job. Kelly was a pickup, a guy who had gone to Taiwan to pitch and play, or Korea to pitch and play, and they brought him back. And so... And that comes through scouting and having people out there looking at players, turning rocks over, and getting the best players that you can get into your system. And so Mike Hazen and his staff, like I said, Jason McLeod um, is a part of that staff, Allard Barrett, and then you look at their scouting staff, the people that are out there doing the groundwork, and you, you mix in the analytics because they do a fair share of analytics as well. Um, they've just done a great job in rebuilding that organization. Now, building the team is one thing, as you know, but you just never know how it's going to work out. And this team definitely has done it with a lot of young prospects, like, like you've talked about and, 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 and gotten some key trades. But what, in your opinion, has been the key to this team clicking the way they have done so far this year and especially in the postseason? I always believe in leadership. Uh, it's the key to to our teams in the 80s and the 90s with the A's, um, it was also centered around Tony La Russa and his coaching staff. Um, and, and so I think when you look at Tori Lavolo and what he's gone through, he was a part of that 100-loss season. He's a part of this team that's, that's knocking on the door winning a World Series. And, and you got to look at if, – if you just watch his chemistry with the players and how they gravitate to him and, and – how they communicate with each other, whether it's through words or things that they don't say, 
you clearly understand that he's the glue that makes this team work. You've got Dave McKay at first base who's been there, Tony Perestica who does a tremendous job. They put together the right coaching staff is what they've done um, to make all of this work. But the key is the guy that's at the head of it, and that's Tori Lobolo. Mm-hmm. Dave Stewart joins us, three-time World Series champ and MVP back in the day here. T.C. Martin, Marco D'Angelo in the house with us here on this Monday. Hey, Dave, I got a question for you from a handicapping and breakdown of this game. We got Max Shearzer going for Texas tonight. We know that he came back from the injury. Nobody thought that he would be back in time for the playoffs. Did he come back too soon in, you know, two bad outings? How can you have faith or to back him tonight, or are they just going to send him out there and hope that it's the old Max and have a short leash like they did in that pivotal game last time? Well, I mean, whether he came back too soon or not, I don't think that, I don't believe that organizationally. I mean, when you look at Max Scherzer, the reputation, because a lot of times when, when a guy like Max Scherzer steps on the mound, he comes with a great deal of respect, and he also gets gets an edge that most guys don't get. And so when he takes the mound, you're hoping that all of that plays to effect and that at his age, because Max's not a young guy anymore. He's, he's, he's a little bit older now. So you're hoping that at his age he can mix in and blend some of the things and the knowledge that, he, that he's been able to gain through the years to pitch a successful baseball game is what you're hoping for. Um and, you know, sometimes uh, uh, 80% or a 70% Max Scherzer is better than 100% somebody else. And so, you know, I can tell you this from personal experience. In, in the 1993 World Series, I think I was pitching at 38 at that time. And um, you can pull a rabbit out of your hat, you know. You can pull a rabbit out of your hat at any time. Um, and that. And at 93, I was able to achieve the MVP in the league championship series against the White Sox and actually had a couple of good games um, in, in, in the World Series. But there's always a trick that you can pull out of your hat just through the knowledge and the experience that you've had through the years of, of going out there and going through the battles. You look at, at Scherzer's injury, though. I mean, that's a shoulder injury, and you know better than anybody what it's like to, to pitch you know, through that. And I know he wanted to come back, and there were a lot of people that thought that he was just going to be ruled out for the rest of this season. But hey, he willed his way back. We have not, we're not seeing the best Max Scherzer. Just give me some thoughts on on having knowing that you know you've gone through this injury. Maybe you came back a little prematurely. You want to be out there for your team, but you know you you're not 100. percent Talk a little bit about what that's like pitching through that. Well, if you. If you start, uh, I think the number of starts you're going to have this year are 33 in this in in the games in, that are being played now. If, if you start 33 games, you know you're not going to be 100 percent for half of them. Quite frankly, um, it, it's just impossible if you go out there as a starter to think that you're going to be 100 percent every time you take them out. It just doesn't happen. You're you're lucky if out of 33 starts you can probably say 15 of them, 14, 15 starts, you're 100%. The rest of them, you go out there and you invent it as you go. You know, um, you, you count on location, you count on outthinking the hitter. 
being one pitch of a head ahead of the guy that's on the other side. Those are the things that you have to do. And Max has had enough battles. He's been out there plenty of times and in the big games to be able to put something together. I, I expect him to throw the ball well tonight. Dave, what do you think of the rookie, Brandon uh, Fott, the way he's pitched here? Because when you look at his strikeout-to-walk ratio, it's been downright out- outstanding here in the postseason. And But, you know, again, he's been prone to uh, some hiccups. But for the most part, if we're looking at these two starting pitchers tonight in game number three, Fott actually has been better than Scherzer of late. What do you think of, of him and the rest of this Diamondbacks pitching staff? Well, there's, there's a confidence in Fott, obviously, that you see it when he takes the mound. Um and I think that happened in that, that in that game against Philadelphia. When he pitched that first game against Philadelphia and was successful in the manner and the way he was, I think that that built a mound of confidence for that young man. And, and now he's become a warrior. And so I don't expect him to do anything differently tonight in tonight's game. Um, he has seen success in doing what he's doing. Yeah. You know, man, you, you're going to give up a long ball every now and then, or you're going to get runners on base and give up a, a, a double in the gap every now and then, but that's baseball. Um, the thing that he's been able to do is he's been able to minimize the damage. Um, they haven't been able to put together big innings against him. Um, he's confident in throwing the ball across the plate, throwing strikes, but he's also confident that when he's throwing strikes that he's got a pretty good chance to get hitters out. And when you take the mound believing that and feeling that, it's going to be a tough day for the other side. You know, playoff baseball, World Series baseball is always, in my opinion, going to be the team that pitches best and defends best and takes a chance and the opportunities to do something to get a run across the plate is the best chance to win a baseball game. All right. With all that being said, who wins this series? Oh, man, you put me on the spot, man. (laughs) That's what we got to do, man. But I'll I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Marcus Simeon, who, in my opinion, is one of the best professionals in the game um, in preparation and, and just showing the way things that should be done, he's still not played at the level that he's capable of playing. Actually, he's struggling, in my opinion. So if Marcus Simeon turns the dial and, and all of a sudden he starts doing what Marcus Simeon is capable of, of doing, I think Marcus is the key for me with Texas. And you know, I know we've, we've talked about Adolis and what he's done, but Marcus Simeon, in my opinion, if he does what he's capable of doing offensively, it puts Texas in a different position and it makes them a different team. So uh, the best I can tell you is if, the best I can tell you is Texas goes as Marcus Simeon goes. I agree with you. And you know Marcus Simeon better than anybody for his time with the A's and your affiliation still time with them as well, too. When you look at him from his preparation standpoint, and like you said, you know, defensively, what he goes through in his daily routine, I mean, he's, he's committed. He's fantastic. And he's made some fantastic defensive plays out in that field at shortstop. But the problem has been at the plate. And I think everyone just wants to focus on that and say, oh, this guy struggled. He struggled against Houston in the ALCS. And now he's struggling at the plate again in the first couple of games of the World Series here. But defensively, this guy is rock solid. And I think that we all, you know, just are thinking that this guy is going to turn around, you know, at the plate. 
what do you see in him at the plate that that is just not right? You know, I've said a lot of different things. I mean, um, Marcus is notorious for being a first-pitch swinger. And then there have been a couple of games where, you know, he's not swung at the first pitch. And, you know, that's depending on depending on what he's thinking in a given situation. I mean, obviously, he's going to do what he what he does. Um, but he's notorious first-pitch swinger. And I'd be willing to bet that his – his first pitch on base percentage is pretty high, um, but he's also very disciplined too. For a guy who swings at first pitch, he, he draws his fair share of walks, and so I think right now he's just caught between. Um, that's what I think. I think he's caught in between, trying to figure out what he wants to do, what his approach is going to be. I, I think that's where he is right now. He's not really set in what he's going to do from at bat to at bat. He is Dave Smoke Stewart. Brother, I appreciate you as always. Enjoy the rest of this World Series and enjoy uh, the game tomorrow. Uh, I know you're going to try to get out there tomorrow in Phoenix to check all that out, and hopefully we get a chance to talk with you again before this thing is over. All right, TC. Take care of yourself, man. It's good to be on with you. Good to have you, brother. Take care. Take care now. My guy, Dave Smoke Stewart, one of the best three-time World Series champion, did it with three different teams, phenomenal pitcher, MVP, the 1989 A's, and just, again, just one of the best people on the planet. Just one great dude. All right, Marco, let's look at this game tonight. And I mentioned Scherzer and fought. Uh, I want no part of Max Scherzer. Haven't wanted any part of, of him any time really this year, especially when he came over from um, the Mets. And this guy's ERA has been horrendous in the postseason. It's 9-4-5. You look at uh, what he did now. I, I will say this. Uh, he had two starts against the Houston Astros, and he got blown up in both of those. He went four innings in one game, five earned runs. And then the other game, he only went two and two-thirds uh, in the clincher, gave up two earned runs, got pulled, gave up four hits, though. Then you go back to a regular season outing against the Astros, which was uh, about three weeks before the playoffs started, and he only lasted three innings, gave up seven earned runs and six hits. Max Scherzer has had eight starts this year where he's given up at least five earned runs. And I know from a betting perspective, he is listed as a favorite again, even though the Diamondbacks are the home team here. And we heard about it, you know, from people yesterday, you know, some, you know, uh, casual baseball betting fans. And they're thinking, Oh, Max Scherzer's going, you know, tonight. I want no part of him. And Brandon Fott's only 25 years old. He's a youngster, rookie, basically. I get that, but he is pitching so much better. 22 strikeouts and, and only three walks for this guy uh, during the course of, of the postseason. I, I, the Diamondbacks, in my opinion, should be the favorite in this game, and they're at home, and they're playing better baseball. And if we go inning by inning of, well, let's see, the last game, went the game two went extra inning. So these two teams have played 20 innings of baseball. I, I believe the Diamondbacks have led for, what, 17 of those innings. Pretty much, yeah. It's situation taking the game tonight, and I'll, full disclosure, I did go with Texas tonight. I did go with Texas in Shears' last start, and I told you, he'll be on a very short leash. That's going to be the same deal tonight. I'm hoping that, you know, the experience, like, you know, Dave Stewart just said to us, will outweigh the rookie, uh, you know, on the biggest stage. Now, granted, he pitched two good games 
you know, in the playoffs already. So he's had pressure and is performed, but this is the World Series. They are coming back home and Texas has done so well on the road in the playoffs. You got all of that. I just think the Texas bats tonight are going to wake up. Um, the game two was just ugly, uh, for them, for me as well. With the, uh, game two is the game I had the under nine. 2-1 in the seventh inning. Thought that was good, but I'm going to go with the experience for Shearzer and just hope that he can get us a couple good innings and make this a bullpen game. Yeah, fought has been nails. I mean, two of his four postseason starts, he's given up no earned runs in two of those four starts. And like I mentioned, 22 strikeouts and only three walks. He is a youngster, though, uh, but he'll have that comfortability of pitching at home. And here's the Diamondbacks. To me, they play... Fearless again, and like Smoke said, they they will run, they will do whatever it takes, and I love that brand of of baseball. And this park is much different. Okay, it's not a bandbox like it is in Texas. Uh, you hit the balls in the gaps, uh, you're going to run yourself into some into some uh, doubles and triples there easily. So I'm interested in this game, and I, I haven't been able to pick a side in games one or two. I just wasn't interested. I didn't think there was advantage, but tonight I, I think there is. And again, uh, I've seen a lot of of aging pitchers, and we're seeing that in Max Scherzer. Yeah, he could twirl a gym tonight, but it would have to come out of nowhere because he has shown nothing uh, since this injury especially that uh, that he is there, unless you get Arizona with a lot of swing and misses. One stat I'm going to throw at you, Arizona this year against AL West teams, just 4-16. and 16. I think you throw that out because this is a team, remember, only won 84 games. That's it. I mean, this is a different team. Playing here in the postseason. We'll see what happens. We come back. We'll talk more NFL. Check Esposito from Red Rock will join us at the bottom of hour number two. Don't you dare go anywhere. Yes. More football. Football, football, and football coming up next. Entertainment capital of the world. It's the T.C. Martin Show. Been a great third down defense the last two weeks for Steelers. And they've got an interception and a run back all the way home. It's Spillane with the touchdown on the pick six. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Mahomes drifting downfield. Intercepted. His first of the season, Jeff Heath. Doctor is now in. Our number deuce here on this Monday. I want to know, is it a magnificent Monday or a manic Monday? Seems like we asked that question because it really depends how we're feeling. Marco D'Angelo, were you slow to get up this morning or quickly to rise and shine because you were feeling so good? Well, I had a good Sunday. There was no baseball yesterday, so I had a good (laughs) Sunday. Uh, we, We hit four out of five for the day, and we've got a play... Um, live tonight is, you know, I told you yesterday, I know you're in action with the teaser tonight. I had the Lions in a money line parlay with two other teams. So uh, we're both rooting for just a Lions win tonight. All right. Hour number two, we're talking NFL football. Chuck Esposito will join us at the bottom of the hour. The fine uh, race and sportsbook director over at the station casinos. 
over at Red Rock. This is what always gets me. Maybe you can you can help me out with this. I probably know the answer or what you're going to say, but every handicapper. Well, we have just two handicapper extraordinaires because you know we limit it. We just take the top two. That's it, right? A one and one a coupled entry. Our good friend Scott Spritzer and Marco D'Angelo here on the show, part of the team. But every time they talk about their picks, they always say we. <laughs> now, when I go and I look at their selections, all right, I it's Marco D'Angelo. Okay, he doesn't have a team around him that says, "Hey, here's Team D'Angelo or Scott Spritzer." We see their mug and you know, especially in social media, you know, because I always get get a bad time from these guys, especially this guy sitting to my right about like, "Oh, look at the look at the big spread." I got my picture on when these guys tweet this out and all this other stuff. All right, but it's always when we talk about, well, tonight uh, we like this or we had a good Sunday. Who's the we? It's you. You are making the picks. The we is me and my customers. We're all in oh. one. Okay. Uh, no, 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 yeah. That, that's, that's because your right. customers are jumping on that bandwagon and they're jumping off that bandwagon in a heartbeat. Well, they, you are in this business. You are only as good as your last pick. That's, that's true. It. So right now. So they, you're telling me you're loved by everyone. It's a big we right now because your last pick was big, good. Yeah. It, it's a love fest right now. Yes. <laughs> Except for the two baseball games of the World Series. I mean, people were coming by the Westgate on Friday. Yeah, the damn God had steered me wrong in that baseball game. That damn D'Angelo. That's what he looks like. I got security. Marcus goes security. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's you, no, it's we. I had, Is that really no, the reason? Or I'm thinking, okay, because you're part of Wager Talk, all right? I've, and it's like, okay, it, it's a we thing. So that's always always wondered. It. Well, I'm I'll confuse you even more. You got to be a me first guy, okay? Okay. Well, if you read my ad copy, <laughs> yeah. Whenever I do, you know, at my website, I talk in a third person. I talk about Marco D'Angelo. Oh, you're I, Ricky Henderson now. Yeah. I I don't. You know, I, it's just it's one of those things. It's just part of the the. Wait, business. wait, wait. So so give it to me. Go ahead. Oh, you know, I don't, I write my own ad copy, but I'm not writing it as it's me. I'm saying, I'm writing it as, oh, hey, Marco D'Angelo, you know, went four and one yesterday. I understand that, but you're not, but you're not voicing the, that. That's just in writing. That's in writing. Well, of course. So that's, that's, that's that's, that's not talking in the third person. But I'm I'm talking through the keyboard. No, you're not. You're writing. <laughs> I'm going to type difference. something right now to you on the keyboard. <laughs> is what I'm going to do. Oh, I just rather you use your voice, okay? Yeah, okay? And just I've never heard you speak in the third person before. Uh, you heard but, me speak a little bit Friday night <laughs> at bottom of the ninth inning. Hmm. Treacherous baseball. The treacherous. Sometimes it could be treacherous. I have a new nickname for you. I gave it to you Friday. What's that? The mighty mush. The mighty mush. <laughs> I okay, listen, this, okay, listen. So, so we go we do the show on Friday. We go out and we have a nice meal like we customarily, you know, do. We're watching the baseball game at uh, one of our, our, our favorite barbecue places. Shout out to my, my my guy Big B, who by the way, uh I believe I'm collect I'm collecting a free dinner from him because I gave him the Dallas Cowboys. There you go. So that's that, that that's good. Uh, so we go out and we have our, our barbecue watching the game and we're actually having a, a great conversation about all kinds of stuff and the game is on and this guy's not even sweating and we're not even really, we're interested in the game. I don't have any action on it, but it was a pretty, you know, one sided affair, I guess, kind of, you know, why we're looking at it. And then 
all of a sudden, you know, he's got Arizona. And I say, well, you're, you're golden, man. You're doing great, right? And nothing wrong with that. So we go to the ninth inning, and he says, well, I'm going to go home and, and watch the rest of this. You know, you know, want to get home or listen on the car radio. Okay, okay, that's, that, that's good enough. So I did say to him, I said, yeah, you're, you're up. You're good. Yeah. Two, I'm going to give the stat before you start, you know, blasting me here. Cause this guy, I don't like superstitious people. Cause I don't believe in superstition. Okay. Superstition is, as Stevie Wonder said, it's not the way. It's not the way. All right. And if you're a faith filled man, like a devout Catholic, you were growing up, my friend, Mr. Alter Boy, right? Superstition is not the way. Okay. It's not. So. The Diamondbacks are up two runs, going to the ninth inning. The stat that I give my friend is that 465, eight and one teams leading going to the ninth inning with at least a two run lead have won 465 times, lost only eight and one tie. Now you're going to ask me, well, how could there be a tie, right? Game called a darkness, like back in like 1910 or something like that. That was that. Okay. I, I asked for superstition, Stevie Wonder, and I get this. Right. You're, you're, you're back to your massage parlors and Chuck? I don't get it. Okay. So I said what I got to say, so go ahead. All right. First of all, you know the insurance commercials they're doing where they go, let's go to the replay and take a look. Yeah. Let's go to the replay <laughs> and see what really actually happened. Okay. We're going to the bottom of the ninth inning. We're still sitting there talking, as you said, finishing a you know, great meal. And you look up, bottom of the goes, good pick. Good pick. Mark. That's right. You're good. You're good. In, in a nice dog price, you're good. And I immediately said to you, if you just jinxed me again, okay, you did supply me that stat after the fact. When I left while they were in extra innings, that's when I left. I didn't leave till they were going to the 11th inning. I watched the 10th inning with you, and I said, you know what? I got to get out of here. If I get away from you, I have a chance. I didn't make it home. <laughs> You're with me for nine plus innings. It, it, I was, it was golden. with you for ten innings. Okay, and I and I I led, I led eight eight of the. Nine probably has the pitch count too. Yeah, you know, I was with you for 105 pitches. Jeez. That's how can you say, don't you feel bad about yourself when you, ha, when you got to blame somebody else? It, it's not you, you didn't give up the home run. Okay. You want to blame what, who, who, it wasn't even Paul Sewell. I did say, now I want you to tell the people what I did say is that I don't like either one of these bullpens. Oh. Both bullpens are garbage. And then after Seawald left, and then here come the other Ham and Eggers running in, it's like, oh, these are minor leaguers now. Once you get past your closers, you have the the bottom of the barrel for both teams. So yeah, anything can happen. But you blew a two run lead. You were okay. You were fine. Why can't you just suck it up and say, "Oh, I lost the game." I'm just saying, great price, good pick, look good to me. But there always has to be oh the mush factor. You gotta you gotta blame other people. That is so wrong. That's that's a bowl full of wrong. What actually probably happened was karma from all of all of the Friday in the afternoon, re- making you relive the end of the Buffalo game. Yeah, see. Okay, so that was karma. But do you believe in karma? You don't believe in superstition. I don't but, believe in superstition. Okay, no. but what about karma? And on the fence. Okay, all depends. Well, this time karma, you know, benefited you because it bit me in the butt this time for me. You know, having how, how fun did it benefit me? 
Huh? I didn't have any action on the game. How did it benefit well, me? Well, you got to you got to see me go through the pain you went through the night before. Oh, believe me, I've seen that at firsthand in person uh, <laughs> during the college football season and, or the and basketball season at the Westgate. Yeah, <laughs> right. The bowl game. Yeah, the bowl game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The the lead and cover for the entire game in the pick si- the that, pick six. Those that, are fun. That's a life that we uh, lead. That we got we got we got highs and lows. And you tried to do it to me yesterday too. I tried. You, yeah. The the Cleveland game. Mentioning the only way I could lose that oh, teaser bet on the Cleveland right, game. Right. And we were sweating the old. It, what do you like to call it? Pitch, what the pitchy pitchy woo woo. Pitchy pitchy woo woo. Yeah. Exactly right. Yeah. Lateral yeah. lateral lateral. That yeah. Listen, I, I I I can always. I must have a crystal ball because I can see when that garbage is coming, and I've been a victim of it. I've talked about yeah. it. it. Makes me sick. Karma by uh. Yeah, there we go. This is a group called Karma. <laughs> Funk to Mambo. I love it. Look at our DJ over there. He's, he's, he's on it. Love the pineapple on the album cover. Anyway, um, here's the deal, yo, man. This is uh, why am I feeling really hesitant about this game tonight? Because I do. You're right. I have a teaser in this game, and I have it teased. Tease to last night's Chargers game, which was a no-brainer. I felt so good about that game. Again, the, we talked about it in the first hour, uh, you know, with Bajent coming back. He's not going to be as good. They're going to get drill pressed. Chargers really need the game, and it, it was never in doubt. I, even though these lines were very similar to each other, tonight's game and that Sunday night game, I don't feel the confidence in the Lions that I do. And again, the Raiders have been atrocious. But they have won a couple games against inferior competition, against the Packers, and against the uh, the Patriots. But we don't know how good the Lions really are. And I know everybody is on the Lions, and that's not that that's a scary thing. I don't care about that. But again, I've been golfed so many times <laughs> when this idiot was with the Rams. And then when he goes to Detroit, remember, people are laughing. Oh, I mean, you're going to Detroit to die. That's where you're going. And this team still doesn't have a, a you know, household full of names. There is still Devontae Adams on, on, on the Raiders. You still got him. You still got Josh Jacobs. I picked the, the Lions. I used him in the contest tonight. But I don't know, maybe just because... I've had some horror stories the last this this week with the, some of these wagers. I'm not feeling good, so it made me feel better that why you think the Lions is such a good play tonight and in, they're in such a good spot. Well, because again, you know, you know me, I'm a situational guy. In last week's game, they had an absolute stink bomb of a game. There's no way to look other uh, way to look at it. Baltimore took the best of them. And I think they were looking ahead to this game. They're not on Monday Night Football that often. The one thing that we've seen with the Dan Campbell team is they're more consistent over the week-to-week basis where when Matt Patricia was there, they were all over the place. You would have that one great game, and then you'd have two or three bad ones. They lost earlier in the season. They bounced back after that one. In uh, Seattle's a team that you know can score points. The Raiders, we haven't seen that yet from the Raiders this year. We haven't seen that explosiveness uh, because you know they still have the defense that's not good. I think if we lose this game. It is going to be one of those games where they just don't make enough stops and the Raiders outscore them. If it's a lower scoring game, I don't see the Raiders winning it. 
the way I look at it. All right. So I'm talking correlated parlay there. If you like Detroit, um, you know, I, I just we'll see what they do tonight. But I know we don't judge things on strictly on line moves, and we have to factor in that there is some, you know, we're in Las Vegas, so uh, there's going to be Raider action. But I'm going to ask the, when we get Chuck on, is it pros or Joes that's moved this to seven? Because we didn't expect that. Usually when you see a seven and a half, what you saw last night in the Charger game goes to nine or nine and a half yeah. to block the to block the teasers, yeah. make you use the bigger one and lay the extra juice. This one sat at seven and a half pretty much all week, didn't make that move mm-hmm. up, and today making the move to seven, it takes more money to move a line off of three, right? You know, seven, three and a and seven. That's why I think it is got to be sharp money yeah. because people are thinking, okay, well, the Raiders may be able to keep this within a touchdown because there are probably people out there that feel the same way I do that you you can't really trust the Lions. Now, speaking of the trust factor, we had talked on Friday about teams that we that we trust. I mentioned two of, actually, I mentioned three. Okay, one of them got a victory, but the other two that I had at the top of the list. Uh, did not. And that was the Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers. That was downright, uh, horrible performances by both of these teams. Denver beats Kansas City 24 to 9. Talked about in the last hour that Patrick Mahomes was sick. So, you know, he said he, he, he got a flu bug from his wife and his two kids. Uh, there's questionable whether he was going to play or not. Uh, got sick the night before. He looked rather weak. I don't know if that had much to do with it or not, but Mahomes had two interceptions, had a fumble, no touchdowns. His quarterback rating was 59.2, abysmal. The Chiefs had five turnovers in this game. The Chiefs were a seven-point favorite in this game, got tons of money, and you had a great afternoon session for the uh, sports books. Right, because people all we're all over Kansas City. They're all over San Francisco. San Francisco, you get a decent price of laying only three and a half or four, depending on when you got it against Cincinnati. Cincinnati coming off that buy. Uh, Brock Purdy had some good numbers. He was twenty-two for thirty-one for three hundred sixty-five yards. Kittle had a fantastic day. McCaffrey had a great day. Purdy had one touchdown, but he had two picks. But San Francisco. Had three turnovers as well. And now the 49ers have lost three straight. And really, you could blame the defense for this loss. But having those two teams go down the way they were, Marco, yesterday, and for the most part, the Bengals and the Chiefs were in control for the entire game here. And Kansas City and San Francisco were fighting uphill. Niners were at home. Chiefs were on the road. But we know the stats. I mean, Patrick Mahomes has beaten the Denver Broncos 12 straight times, uh, 16 in a row against division opponents. We know how Andy Reid always games plans for division opponents. It was crazy the way these uh, games unfolded, but you can blame the turnovers for both teams. They did not take care of the ball. It was, I don't know if they were overlooking the opponents, but just a, a real bad day for betters who had those teams. As far as Kansas City goes, um, I didn't use it as a client play, but I do radio show in Nebraska, and we always have to cover Kansas City's their their team in Nebraska, and we covered that game. And I said my concern in this game was they came off the Charger game. For all intents and purposes, when they beat the Chargers, they had that big cushion now in the AFC West. So coming off that big game, and then they've got to go – they got the game in Germany this week against Miami. 
I think they, it was just one of those sandwich spot games where you just beat Denver the week, two weeks ago. And I know the score was only 19 to eight. It was never an 11 point game. Okay. That's one of the most misleading finals. They totally dominated Denver. Denver got a late touchdown to make it look close. Uh, I think they looked past them, throw in the combination that Mahomes wasn't feeling well. Um, the team just wasn't ready to play as a team. 49ers, I cannot give you an excuse for them. Coming off the Monday night game, I thought we would have seen a better performance. And for me, I'm more concerned about the 49er defense. What's happened to them the last two weeks? Minnesota moved the ball against them on Monday night football. Granted, you know, they had the quarterback situation, but the quarterback doesn't play defense. The defense let them down two weeks in a row. Joe Burrow had his best look his best this year. And I know he had been battling an injury, but still they went up and down the field. They had no answer yesterday. The secondary, that's where the problem is with the 49ers right now. And uh, they're leaking big time. And there's some noticeable holes with that uh, 49ers secondary right now. I'm not really worried too much about the D line because Armstead had some sacks yesterday. You have Boza there. Those guys are fantastic, but at the back end, uh, you're right. Joe Burrow picked them apart. Remember Burrow completed what his first 18 passes of this game yesterday. And not all of them were the dink and dunk variety. I mean, he was right on time with, uh, to Jamar Chase and, and other receivers, uh, as well, too. Cincinnati really couldn't run the ball effectively, but, you know, uh, over 400 yards in total offense. I mean, they, they dominated the San Francisco 49ers. And again, I was one of those guys that said, okay, 49ers aren't going to lose three in a row, even though, I've been on the Bengals, even when they were struggling early this year. I believe, okay, this is a team that gets better as the season progresses. They've been very, very good to me. Kind of kicking myself that I got off them. But then again, see, I thought that it was a shallow number to lay with San Francisco because, and I, I gave the numbers on Friday show that San Francisco has dominated these, these games at home, just like Dallas. And I, I used the comparison there. Dallas was good. I mean, didn't have to sweat that one at all. 43 to 20, they roll over the Rams. Again, that was a great spot for them. Uh, Dallas getting back home. They haven't played at home in four weeks. And I laid out the numbers on Friday, how they have just, just decimated opponents. And they continue to do that again. Dak Prescott, pretty good, even though early on, you know, starts the game off with a sack and got sacked again and Aaron Donald showing up. But, uh, the Rams backside of their defense was horrendous as well, too. So, yeah, just it, it's crazy when you look at uh, the favorites and underdogs basically split right down the middle. I think technically it, they were, it was 5-5-3 five, five, and three with three pushes, oddly enough, when you look at that in overs, 8-6 uh, and six, uh, to the overside. So pretty split down the middle. But when these big favorites, these popular favorites, lose, then it turns into great days for the books. And that's the way it was in the afternoon session yesterday. Yeah. And we talked about this before, you know, when we were at Westgate with a different book, even though the public has per se had a decent season, they've won more single bets than they've lost. But we know that the public plays a lot of parlays. The public's play teasers. And all you need is one of those big favorites that are popular to go down. It takes down so many multi-leg bets for the books and it bails them out uh and they had that yesterday in an eight and six over under weekend that's great for the books because most people are going to play the overs you got that many you know when it's balanced 
it's going to be good for them. Now we've had weeks where it's been two and 12 mm-hmm. with some of these, you know, and it was to the under that one week and the books made a killing because everybody bets the overs. Mm-hmm. NFL trade deadline is tomorrow at one o'clock Pacific time. Um, the giants have already uh, got active, um, you know, with that uh, earlier today, ma- making an, a, a, a trade on the defensive line and, It'll be interesting to see what happens with the Minnesota Vikings. He mentioned hour number one with Kirk Cousins. For some reason, it seems like that the Vikings are going to stand pat here. Now, this is a team that has really turned it up a notch with that victory against San Francisco. They talked about it on Friday with Jay Schrader and, and yourself. That when you look at this schedule, the Vikings are on the cusp of going on maybe a six or a seven win run with the, the lowly schedule that they are, are facing. And now Kirk Cousins goes down. Uh, played another very good game against the Packers yesterday, coming off the game that he had against San Francisco on Monday night, what you mentioned. So now he goes out with an Achilles injury. He's done for the season. So now you have got the rookie BYU quarterback that we talked about in the open, uh, Jared Hall. Nick Mullins is a guy who is injured for them. And for some reason, it sounds like that the Vikings are just going to kind of bide their time maybe with Jared Hall and then wait for Nick Mullins to come back. There is a guy that is out there, not that I'm a big fan of him because I really haven't been, but Carson Wentz is available. And Carson Wentz seems to be the best fit for the Minnesota Vikings right now because of... And this is going to sound strange, but just it kind of just flows. He's a North Dakota kid, North Dakota State. The Vikings are North Dakota. They're that's their team and everything of that nature. I think he would be. He's so hungry to get back with an organization, and I think what he does would fit in with the Vikings. And it doesn't even sound like the Vikings are going to entertain that. But if I'm the Vikings. I'm on the cusp of of going to the playoffs this year and could win the division because of what we said about Detroit. They are no slam dunk here. Why wouldn't you at least reach out, get this guy in camp, instead of basically saying, we're going to stand pat with a bunch of third-string quarterbacks? That doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't if you really think that you're a legitimate playoff contender. Uh, the reality is, do you, let's go the other route and say Kirk Cousins was healthy. Do you think this is, would they have been a legitimate Super Bowl contender? No, but they'd be a playoff contender because of the mojo that they've got now and the capabilities they have with their offense. Even though they lost Justin Jefferson to an injury, but you saw that what they've been getting out of Addison, he had six touchdown passes coming into yesterday's game, six touchdown catches. So, in Cousins is a guy that can put up monster numbers. We've seen the Vikings defense show up the last two games against the Niners and the Packers. So, I say with the schedule in front of them, yeah, they would get into the playoffs and with a good chance because they still got games coming up against the Lions. So, yeah, I, I firmly believe that with Kirk Cousins, this is a playoff team and maybe even a division winning team in the NFC North. And 
if they can pick up the right quarterback right now because this team is still playing some good football, that they can ride this thing because they're not playing a winning football team in the next six weeks. I can't disagree with you. Um, I They don't want to mortgage the future to try to go out and get a player. Uh, it's it, not going to cost them. If you're going to get a... a you, I mean, first of all, it, you'd have to trade. Who, who would you want trade bait? There's no one out there trade bait. I'm just saying you're better off with a Carson Wentz who's sitting on his back porch right now doing nothing. Who's got experience. I can't disagree. I'm not a fan of Carson Wentz. We've <laughs> Neither seen am I. But just in this situation, you know, you weren't a fan of Brock Purdy. And this guy almost led him to the Super Bowl. How about this? I'm going to throw a name hmm. at you. Okay. He's third on a depth chart for the Houston Texans. Case Keenum. Uh, familiarity, too. Familiarity. No question. Familiarity because he was a Viking and it, played pretty and well. Houston has their quarterback of the future. I mean, C.J. Stroud has showed, yeah. showed everything that you think. You get it. You know, what kind of draft, uh, you know, what. What round draft pick would you have? You know, oh, have to get up to get him. Nothing. He's a, he's a throw-in. He's a throw-in. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But again, Keenum has been good and he's been bad. So, is there much difference between Keenan and um, Carson Wentz? Maybe not much. I mean, you know, I don't know. I, Other than the first year that Carson Wentz had, when he had, they ended up having the injury. Mm-hmm. He's not you. You take that year and throw it away and look at the rest. I agree. Of it. I agree. It's not. I, I, I agree. Would, I agree. I, I've never been a big fan of his, but again, mm. he is better, and Case Keenum is better than what they have in their locker room right now. Plain and simple. Without Kirk Cousins, they're going nowhere. Nowhere. I agree, hundred percent. I I don't know if he would come back because I I don't remember how it went down whenever he left there. You know, I mean, he's been a guy that's been he's been bounced around a lot of teams, and he's had some really good games, yes, with teams. But he's not. He's one of those ones that's you know, like Gardner Minshew, right? Okay? He's not a bona fide starter, but he can go in and win you some games over a short period of time. But here's the thing: if I go to you right now, okay. All right, you want to go, you know, o- over to this team or this business or whatever, and we're making you our starting quarterback. Okay, you're a feature guy. You're our number one guy. Instead of number three, you're going to jump at it, right? Yeah. If you're Case Keenum, you're going to jump at it because he is guaranteed. This is week number eight. All right, so you've got at least another, you know, eight games, nine games of of football that you're going to be the number one guy. I I, I don't care what went down. Before, you could be the number one guy and a chance to prove yourself again to the rest of the league that you could be a number one starter. Case Keenum, a number three, that's kind of frankly a joke, especially one of the worst franchises in football in the Houston Texans. I mean, I get it. You draft C.J. Stroud. Okay, but why is it Case Keenum the backup? Why isn't he the number two? They, they, Their depth chart lists. I know. You know hey, you're right. We haven't seen him in action yeah. you know, this year. All right, we come back. Chuck Esposito will join us. We'll get his thoughts on the sports book drama yesterday from the NFL and also college football. And we'll get his thoughts on where the money's going for game three tonight in the World Series. Drop that ghetto blast off. There's more in store around your door and more of what you're looking for with the Dr. T.C. Martin. 
glad to have you with us here on this Monday. We're wrapping things up. Busy, busy, busy. And you know we got these sports equinox tonight, right? That means that every sport is being played tonight, professional sport. So we've got NBA games, NHL games, NFL, Major League Baseball. Did I miss anybody? I know there's MLS, but I know that's not like On a, a Monday? On a Monday. I don't know. But anyway, so, yeah. So you've got all kinds of action tonight, and I believe that's only, what, the 29th time it's 29th happened? 29th time. Okay. In, in history. So, you know what that means? That means they need to find some more room on those, like, red and green lights over at the sports book, especially over there at Station Casinos. Chuck Esposito joins us now. Chuck, how do you find room to put all these games up? Key, they are all on STN Sports on the mobile app. Yep. You can just scroll through and find everything, the most the most current odds, everything right at your fingertips. So with all this stuff going on, I like that. The sports equinox, I think you guys said. Yep. I, I, I like that, but it's all at your fingertips with STN Sports. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, plenty of action uh, coming your way tonight, and a big NBA schedule uh, <laughs> tonight uh, as well. And I know that the... Um, the Warriors are back in action tonight. The Bucks are back in action tonight. So you've got a lot of stuff to uh, Chuck. I don't know how you're going to uh, to put the screens together here tonight because we got World Series <laughs> Game Three. You got Monday Night Football, and of course you got the home team with the Raiders involved in this game too. You got marquee NBA games, and uh, oh by the way, the Golden Knights are playing tonight as well. Seriously, man, who's in charge of the TV screens? This cannot be. You cannot. Put this just on Jason Symbol or whatever. You need a you need a committee here, Chuck. Who's in charge? I know you're going to oversee this thing, but uh, you got to break um, it down. Somehow I knew that you were going to throw Symbol into this mix. <laughs> I always um, have to, but uh, uh, but yeah, there it, it's great though, T. I mean, when you've got so many marquee sports going on like this, and you know, a World Series game and um, and a big Monday night game with the Raiders and everything going on in the NBA and NHL uh, and the Knights playing tonight. If we get lucky in one of these, uh, you know, the World Series game or the football game is just about ready to end uh, when the Knights game starts. But uh, we've got some, you know, gigantic video walls here. We'll have a lot dedicated to all these big events and, uh, you know, love it when our guests come out and kind of enjoy all this stuff going on. But it is a fun day for us with all this stuff going on. It was a, it was a busy weekend, you know, with all the college football on Saturday and the World Series getting kicked off on Friday and Saturday and, a uh, big NFL slate yesterday that really went the better's way in the morning where uh, favorites went, I think, uh, eight and one. The only game we were able to kind of to get a win in was the Panthers game. But the script was uh, totally flipped in the afternoon where we had the Chiefs lose outright, the 49ers lose outright, and kind of that miracle cover, uh, getting an onside kick, which really doesn't happen in the NFL anymore uh, by the Cardinals to, to get that late cover against the Ravens. So uh, overall, just a really fun, busy weekend. And, uh, uh, a good later half of the NFL schedule yesterday, excluding the Sunday night game. Chuck, real quick, back to the TVs. We know that one screen will be the World Series, a big screen, and the other big screen will be Monday Night Football. Who gets the sound? That's the question. <laughs> you know, with Monday Night Football being the Raiders, uh, it's uh, – I think the the black and silver are going to win out tonight, as far as the uh, the audio goes, guys. Yeah, yeah, make makes sense. It makes sense. I mean, you know, it's a World Series game, and hopefully game. that leads yeah. right into the you know the you know the BGK tonight. I know, 
I know. That's crazy. I mean, you're going to have people uh, coming up and say, can you get the sound on the Knights, please? Can you get the sound? I, I'm, Mar- Marco, Marco's, go- Marco's going to be marching his way. And I was going to, before Marco asked that, I was going to say, hey, Marco, when you go up there and you ask for Chuck, all right, we, who, who are you demanding the sounds? I see demand because Marco would be demanding. I'm just going to put a note on the board that says, if Marco asks, please tell, please tell him the sound is on the Raiders game until its conclusion. <laughs> there it is. Uh, or Marco, make your way into uh, one of the fine eateries there, and uh, you know, go bug a bartender to to, to change the sound. How about that? No, it's tonight's a great sports night. It it, it really is. Uh, Chuck, let's start um, with uh, the baseball tonight. Let's talk about this. Uh, the series is tied up one game apiece. You got Brandon Fought, who's been really, really good. Then you got the old really good, right? The, yeah. Yep. Then you got the warhorse and Max Scherzer, who has not been good, but. You know that people love betting familiar names, and uh, you know a lot of the public are think still thinking that Shearer's good, even though he hasn't been good with the injury and everything, and the age is creeping up there. But uh, Texas is a slight favorite here, so where where are we seeing money here? Yeah, I mean, I, I think when you look at the game to start with, uh, um, Texas opened up the favorite. It started to go down a little bit before it's come back up right now. Um, Scherzer was good in his last outing. I think he went. I think it was 4-2 when he came out in the fourth. I think he's got a cut on his thumb. They're saying they might have to glue. Um, but uh, uh, action overall in this game is, is fairly two-way. T, uh, ticket can't counts do favor um, uh, the D-backs somewhat in this game. Um, not a lot, but slightly in favor of the D-backs. But overall, uh, you know, a, a good handle on the game. And uh, looking forward to this going kind of head-to-head with, with Monday Night Football featuring the Raiders. Chuck. The, my big question on this game tonight is this line was seven and a half almost all week. And so many times we see when you have a, a spread at seven and a half that it creeps its way sometimes to nine to slow down the teasers. But I was surprised to see the money must be, you must be getting some money coming in here on the Raiders. Is it hometown action or is it sharp money? Because all across town, I'm seeing sevens. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised as well, Marco. We had kind of talked about it earlier in the week, and um, at, at its kind of pinnacle or the highest that it was, uh, you, you saw that the the Lions were eight and a half. They're seven to one against the number um, in their last uh, eight games. Um, really, have kind of become the the powerhouse of the NFC North with um, kind of the, the the poor play of the Packers and Bears, and now the injury situation um, with uh, with Cousins for the Vikings. But it has been coming down, and we have seen more sharp action um, on the Raiders in this case. Um, ticket counts still favor the Lions straight, almost three to one. Um, money still favors uh, the Lions. So I think it's only this is the biggest we will probably be Raiders fans this year. Usually it's the exact opposite. I mean, from a, the fan side of it, we're Raider side, Raider fans every week. But from the business side of it, um, usually we're rooting against them. But this is one of those weeks that uh, best case scenario for us would be uh, would be Raiders and under. And as you mentioned, that number has come down a little bit. I guess somewhat a product of Garoppolo getting the start, although he hasn't played for a few weeks. And I think it's the injuries to Detroit with uh, St. Brown and, and Monty, you know, missing from their offense. I think those are two big pieces. Yet. I can't believe I'm actually uttering these words. The Detroit Lions are playing and are favored on Monday night football. I don't think I've said that for a long time, guys. And favored by a touchdown. Seven points. And favored by a touchdown. Crazy. Yep. That's why, Chuck, I just, 
I I don't know if I can trust him. I I can't trust the Raiders. We we know that. Well, but you know it just, what? It's tough. It's funny you say that, T. But I've said that like almost all season. But you think about the second half of last season after the Lions started one and six, and then knocking off the Packers in that last game of the season that Sunday night in Lambeau, and the way they played so far this year. Um, they are clearly the best team right now in the NFC North, even if they're banged up a little bit. I love kind of the old-school mentality of Dan Campbell. I love the way that this team kind of echoes him and plays like that. Um, I know it's easy to say, I, can I trust them or not? But they clearly are the best team in the NFC North, and I still put them in the top five or six in the entire NFC. Had they won that game against the Ravens last week, I would have said they were number three. Um, but now I think you can make a case that maybe they're the fourth best team in the NFC after the Eagles, some of the struggles of late of the 49ers, the Cowboys. And then for me, I would say it's probably the Lions. Both these teams coming off embarrassing losses. Uh, Detroit 38-6 to to Baltimore. And then the Raiders 30-12 to to the Bears here. Jimmy Garoppolo will start. And those that like the fun facts, not that it really has anything to do with anything, but Jimmy Garoppolo is 5-1 in six Monday Night Football career starts. Um, and we'll see if um, this is a turning point for the Raiders because we're hearing Garoppolo say, hey, we really got embarrassed against the uh, against the Bears, and we've had a great week of practice, and I really think that that blowout has brought us together. Okay, you're saying all the right things here, so we'll see. And uh, then, like you said, you know, you look at um, uh, the Lions, and they have been fantastic. But I think what the, you know, if this line was was three or four, then I would probably be very, very convinced. But you know, we're asking the Lions to win by by basically two scores to cover here. I think I think that is my intrepidation with the Lions, even though that I'm not a big backer of the Raiders. So I think that's you know this you should have very good two way action. I would think in this game, especially that number. Yeah, we do overall. Again, T, I said, you know, the public is backing the Lions, have seen some sharp money on the Raiders. Ticket count still about three to one in favor of the Lions. The best case for us is Raiders. I think, again, it's just, you know, we, we are so biased the way our, our guests and, and look at it is that it's, we've talked about it with the Aces. We've talked about it with the Knights. And it's the same thing with the Raiders. Um, and maybe the ticket count would be even way more lopsided and money would be way different. If it wasn't our team, um, they had won two in a row before they lost that game to the Bears. I mean, you look at the, the AFC West and, you know, the Broncos below 500, the Chargers below 500, um, the Raiders below 500, all kind of chasing the Chiefs who just lost but now play in Germany against the Dolphins. So maybe that division, there's not that quite that gap from top to bottom that we thought maybe three or four weeks ago. So if somehow the Raiders can win this game, I mean, at 4-4, four and four, they're definitely still in the wild card discussion in the AFC. Um, but uh, we are clearly Raider fans as we speak. Uh, quick look at the inactives just announced by the Raiders tonight. So Brian Hoyer is inactive, which uh, tells us if something happens to Garoppolo that you're going to get Aiden O'Connell in as your backup tonight. And then here's another thing as well, too. Also part of the inactives is James McCourt. And a lot of people say, well, what's the big deal about that? Well, James McCourt is the backup kicker, and Daniel Carlson has been injured. He's got a right groin injury, and uh, we were not sure if he was going to play. Josh McDaniel said this is literally going to be kind of a game-time decision whether Carlson is going to be able to go which is a huge thing because Carlson is is one of the better kickers when he's healthy and he did not look good we saw the injury pop up last week but uh, Carlson is going to uh, give it a go here uh, tonight 
to uh, to do that. So we'll see if the Raiders are going to be attempting any you know fifty plus yard field goals. Considering you got a right groin injury, not a great injury for a kicker, but again, it is indoors. So uh, very intriguing tonight in 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 many different. Uh, facets. Uh Chuck, real quick, let's talk about what happened yesterday with the with the Niners and uh the Chiefs specifically. Patrick Mahomes awful yesterday. And uh, I, I know there were a lot of people that were probably backing the Kansas City Chiefs in this game. So I know that had to be good for you as well as people backing the 49ers uh as well too. But just the way that both these teams were thoroughly dominated yesterday, I think that was probably uh the biggest surprise. I think both are a huge surprise, D, and a little bit of a head-scratcher. I think when you look at the Chiefs, I think if somebody asked you right now, name the only team in the league yesterday that didn't score an offensive touchdown, (laughs) the Chiefs aren't going to be the team that comes to mind. Yet they were the team that didn't score an offensive touchdown. Um, They had dominated the Broncos, you know, over the last 2,000-and-something days. They hadn't lost straight up to the Broncos. No, it was maybe a tiny bit of a look-ahead game that they're going to be traveling to Germany and play uh, and, and play Miami. Offensively, they just look out of sync somewhat to me. I'm not sure what it is, but they've won more on defense than they have offensively of late. Just don't look great. In the Niners' case, three straight losses. I think you make a case that without Debo Samuel, um, that offense really suffers. I know McCaffrey is really good. I know Purdy has come down to earth a little bit. I know they have Brandon Ayuk. Um, but to me, without Samuel, he's that guy that really creates space, is creative out of the backfield. He's a running or catching the ball, um, and the offense has really missed him. But three weeks ago, I thought the Niners were the best team in football. Um, but what I'm really surprised at is the struggles on their defense. They did not look good in that primetime game a week ago um, against the Vikings. We go tonight where Kirk Cousins had a phenomenal game. And then yesterday, um, coming back from the injury, Joe Burrow, he rushed for 50 yards, but they really controlled the line of scrimmage, gave up a few sacks, but he was really dominant against that defense. To me, that's a bigger concern to me. I know the offense is going to get Debo Samuel back, but that defense just hasn't looked as dominant as it did, say, a month ago. Chuck Esposito joins us over at Red Rock. Fine Racing Sportsbook Director at Station Casinos Properties. Get over there, watch the games tonight. Plenty to choose from. Always good fun over at any of the Station Casino Properties. Chuck, let's take a quick look at Saturday's college football action last Saturday's because uh, there were some uh, some surprises there, and then there was uh, some games that were tightly contested. I'm going to just run through uh, the headline games and then give me some thoughts on any of those games or others that had an effect at the sports book on Saturday. Uh, Rock Chalk Jayhawk uh, comes from behind and defeats Oklahoma 38-33 as a nine-point underdog. And then we saw Oregon just crush Utah. Utah never in that game. And the third-string quarterback and Burns just or Barnes looked really bad uh, as Oregon won 35-6. to Georgia rolls over Florida 43-20. to And then you had uh, kind of a little bit of a head-scratcher. USC... Wins 50 to 49. Over betters had to love that, huh? With 99 points scored in that game. Uh, Florida, uh, rather, uh, Fresno State, uh, defeats UNLV, uh, and basically lands right on the number, right? At, at seven, 31 to 24. Talk about any of those games, Chuck, or, or any others that uh, were as, you know, maybe had some significance for you guys. I think the Kansas Oklahoma game first. I mean, we kind of had it on our, on our board as a potential upset alert. We thought maybe there was some value there. Um, with a dog in that game. Um, that was a good game for us. Getting it to go over late uh, was also a good outcome. I think in the Utah game, Utah was able to exploit Southern Cal because Southern Cal can't stop anybody right now. 
Oregon is sixth in the country in yards per play, what they give up. So defensively, they're a much better defensive team, and I think that clearly showed in that game against Utah. Um, you know, the Southern Cal game, again, not a surprise that they were really, you know, battling toward the end of the game because defensively they really struggle. Uh, they're fun to watch offensively, but they really can't stop anybody. And, um, you know, the UNLV game, they should have had that touchdown at the end of the game to, to potentially maybe tie the score. They could have gone for two, really feel bad for, you know, the, the kid with the drop pass. But, um, you know, UNLV, after becoming bowl eligible, um, you expected maybe a little bit of a letdown. And once Fresno's quarterback was in, that game crept back up to nine, nine and a half before kickoff. So um, we were a little bit, you know, rooting for Fresno in that game from the business side of it, but not a huge decision. Still really proud of the way that UNLV came back and kind of played in that game. And they were leading that game at halftime. Chuck, the Sunday night game for you, just to go back for one second, uh, that had to be a great outcome for you with the Chargers because we saw that line only go one way all week long. Not a good outcome for you, I mean. Well, you know you know what saved us, Marco, was really the fact that the game stayed under. Um, that uh, with the way the Bears give up points and you look at how many times over the last year and a half that they have given up 25 points or more. Offensively, they had played a little bit better lately. Uh, everything was going towards the over. The one thing that could save us, regardless of who won that game or covered, was the game staying under. And I think because of the lopsided score, it meant the Bears weren't kicking field goals in the second half. They had a couple of costly turnovers. Really keeping it under was key for our side last night. All right. He is Chuck Esposito. Go visit him, the whole crew over there at Red Rock or any of the station casino properties. And like Chuck said uh, early on, the STN mobile app, so easy to use. Everything is at your fingertips tonight. A huge, huge night uh, for all sports. World Series Game 3, Rangers a slight favorite over the Diamondbacks. And, of course, uh, the Raiders in action tonight as they're getting seven points against the Detroit Lions. Uh, plenty of NBA and, of course, the Golden Knights in action tonight against the Montreal Canadiens. All right, what's that crowd going to look like? How many Canadian fans are going to be at uh, T-Mobile Arena tonight? Uh, we always see, you know, Montreal fans, they show out, uh, especially the the Western Canadian teams, like when they play Edmonton and Vancouver. You know, you know, yeah. see, I, I've talked to a lot of fans when I go to the games, and many of them have said that it's easier, actually, to, to get a ticket here um, than it is to yeah. get a ticket in one of the Canadian provinces to watch their team play. So um, it, it's, there, there's always going to be a good fan base there. I was at the game on uh, on Friday, the um, Nevada Day game against uh, the Blackhawks. Should I say the the Red and Black won that game, but I'm not going to say anything more. They um, you know, you guys like to harp on my Bears, but the Hawks came away with a big win, which was great for the house. Um, but I'm sure there will be a lot of Habs fans there tonight. What jersey were you wearing to that game, Chuck? That's what I want to know. I was wearing a number 35 Blackhawks jersey. Do you have to know who that is? Ooh. Esposito? Tony Esposito, buddy. Tony O. (laughs) There you go. Good guess. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. One of my favorites. My son had a Jonathan Taze jersey on. Now, granted, we we have season tickets, and we share with Jay and a couple of other guys. Every other game we go to this year, we will be wearing Knights jerseys, but 
Uh, against the Hawks, we did have Hawks jerseys. See, on. here's the thing. I'm always, you know, making fun of those guys that, that that put their own name on the back of their jersey. You know, I'm always doing that. Like, hey, buddy, you didn't play. And then they're like, hey, look at that guy, Esposito over there. Oh, let me see your ID. Oh, that's me. There you go. But he's a real player. That's he's right. A real player. Exactly. You got the real a player. Hall of Famer. Exactly. For that. And you're a Hall of Famer at the sports book. So there you go. So you hit the daily double, my that, friend. Buddy. Oh, I'm saying I don't know so. about that. I'm saying but... the daily double. How 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 uh, unique is that? That you get to wear a player's jersey. It happens to be the same, you know, last name as yourself. That's what's so cool about it. Chuck, you I know what it. I'm here. I love it, man. Chuck, I'm here in TC securing his next comp. That's what I hear. Oh, <laughs> oh that man. Brutal. That is brutal, That's Mark. pretty funny, Mark. That's, that's some funny stuff, man. You guys made my day. Wow, wow. And guess what? Chuck usually writes that for two. So guess who wants to be my plus one? This guy right here. That's why he's bringing it up, Chuck. Come on now. <laughs> Man, you're gonna have to battle Mrs. T for that one, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, I'm gonna make sure that uh, yeah, I I bring Marco with me. Anytime, Marco. Anytime, buddy. Come on over. There he is. There he is. See, see how you did that? Yeah, he just walked away from the mask. (laughs) 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 That's for sure. You can say that again. Yeah. Why why don't you go get your Penguins jersey and put D'Angelo on the back of it? Why don't you go do that? I like that. I like that. Oh, he'll do it too. He shows up yesterday, Marco. We're watching the games and he has his Pittsburgh, I think his Bubby Brister jersey he was wearing yesterday. But he gave, but listen, (laughs) but who'd he give out on the show Friday? Jacksonville. I go, what are you doing, man? Crazy. Bet with yep, your head, yep. not your heart. There you go. That's the yeah. deal. Okay, <laughs> wear what you want. Chuck, appreciate you, brother. We'll we'll see you real soon. But I can guarantee you, Marco's going to be. Hey, what time should I pick you up to go go see Chuck? <laughs> we'll see you soon, All right, boys. Just remember the audio's on the Raiders game tonight, so don't uh, be causing any problems. That's right. Okay, brother, take care. <laughs> All right, boys, take care. All right, there it is. Little Monday Night Football Raiders and the Lions World Series game number three. So you're on the Lions, and you're on Texas. That's what you're telling Okay. All right. Bring that juju home, baby. Got to bring that juju home with the Lions tonight. Let's do it. All right. All right. I want to thank Dave Stewart. Smoke. Join us, the great pitcher, back in the day. He's got ties to both these teams in the World Series. Appreciate him joining us. Chuck Esposito as well. See Win, Chris Wynn, hanging out. Segment one, Numbchuck on the other side of the glass, playing his trumpet trombone. You gotta love it. The Henry Mancini Orchestra. Oh, Peter God. All right, Marco, have yourself a good one, and uh, we will reconvene on Friday. The bookend, the end of the week. There it is. All right. Miss any part of the show, go to the website, check it all out, tcmartinshow.com. Enjoy your Monday. Tomorrow, plenty of terrible Tuesday takes. We'll recap this equinox of sports from today. Have yourself a good one.